How many of you grew up playing the game Whisper Down the Lane? This is especially fun when you play with kids because the things they think they hear are hilarious. But I just love playing this game. And, and you start off with something kind of innocuous, but by the end, it's always hilarious. And one of the things that I love about this game is it reminds us of a truth. And, and that is that the message sent is not always the message received. Now, any of us that are married or any of us who have ever been in a relationship, we automatically know this because we just don't always listen very well. But this is true in our lives as well. You know, and when I think about my life, despite all of their best efforts, this happened to me a lot whenever I was a kid at church. And there was this little, uh, our church would sing these little nursery rhymes that were powerful biblical truths. But some of them, you know, like just didn't always connect. And, and maybe you've heard of it. It went something like this. There was one that we would sing. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. However, my little ears heard something totally different. What I heard was, Obey and obey, for there's no other way to earn your salvation in Jesus, but to suck it up and obey. Not anywhere close to what they meant, but that was the lie that sunk deep into my little heart. That I believed that somehow that we didn't need to trust, that we just, we just had to obey and just kind of lean in. And, and this happens to all of us. The truth is that we all believe lies or half-truths about ourselves, our world, and about God. And some of them are bold-faced lies. Some of them are half-truths. And some of them are just simple little distortions that, that lead us down a path towards dysfunction, or at least not towards truth. And we all do this to some way, and, and, and we get them from a variety of different places. And some of them are things that were spoken over us as a child, child where somebody said something about like, you're too stupid or whatever, and it just, it sinks in. And, and some of them are things that we learn through experience. I learned not to trust people. Or some of them are things that we learned when we didn't realize that they were wrong. We just somehow learned something that wasn't true. But our world is speaking a thousand messages a day. And unless we are conscious of what we are thinking, we slowly buy into the lie. We buy into so many lies that are all around us. Things like Things that our word, world tells us like, it's okay, everyone's doing it. You know, it, if everybody's doing it, it must be okay. It, it, or things like, it's my life. I'm not hurting anyone. And you know, you do you, or you know, I'm just doing me and I, it's my truth. And, but those lies have big consequences. Or, or, or lies that we believe about ourselves. Things like, and I know I've said this one, it's, it's not worth it when it comes to conflict. When the lie that's underneath that is, I'm not worth standing up for. Or things like, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be 
smart enough, or you fill in the blank, whether it's rich or talented or beautiful enough. There's all of these lies that I believe about myself that I'm not worthy. And then there, there are a whole slew of lies that we believe about God that, that God doesn't really care about me, about my situation, about the things that I'm struggling with. He's just some old guy in the sky. Or, or those rules from the Bible, they're so outdated. You know, they made sense thousands of years ago, but, oh, I know better today, or we know better today. And, you know, if you want to get ahead at work and life, you've got to quarantine your faith on Sundays, or that God stuff, it's, it's a little naive for the day-to-day. But no matter what the lie is that I believe, Those lies hold us back from the life that God wants for us. You know, like those lies, they slowly tie us down. They lead us towards brokenness, towards dysfunction, towards sin, towards just, it's going to unravel in so many ways. You see, we live in a broken and a hurting world, what the Bible calls sin. And and the Bible often uses the word exiles or pilgrims to remind us that we as Christians, that that if we aren't careful, we're going to make this world our home. Here in the brokenness, and and we will begin to call brokenness normal because it's, it's all that we've ever known. And we will begin to exchange the truth for a lie. And I've done this in my life so many times where I believe some little tiny lie, but it begins to grow and it becomes a big thing that's holding me back. And and maybe you're there this morning. Maybe there's something in your life this morning that's holding you back. The Bible calls those things sin or brokenness or or dysfunction, but there's something that's holding you back from what God wants for you and for me. Well, in the Bible, Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, knew the pressure that the world would put on us, the lies that the world would try to tell us. And so he wrote a letter to the, to the early church warning them about our need to see Jesus for who he really was and for us to learn to follow him in life. So, so that if, we have, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I invite you to open up your Bibles and we're gonna jump in to the book of Peter where Peter is writing this letter to challenge us to see the lies that hold us back and to see the truth that God wants to pour into your life and into my life as well. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open it to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 3 through 12. He says this, Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, 
The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I love this passage. And, and as I read these words of Peter, I, I think that there are three words or three things that Peter wants to say to us today. Three words to exiles and to pilgrims. Three things that he wants to say to us as Christians. And the first one is this. Pilgrims know the heart of God. Pilgrims know the heart of God. And, and this is where I was struggling as a kid. You see, some kids are by their very nature very compliant. If you say do this, they do it. If you say don't do this, they don't. And I don't know if it's an oldest child thing or a personality thing, but either way, <laughs> it wasn't me. I was the youngest child and I had a tendency to learn things the hard way. I went to the school of hard knocks, you could say. And so if they said no, that just made me all the more likely to try it. Blind obedience was especially hard for me, especially when it felt forced or when it was hard. And, and I didn't learn anything the easy way. Usually it only just made me angry when you told me to do something. And so I had to learn. So when I heard that song, Trust and Obey, it only felt like heavy-handed religion. It only felt like just go and obey and just do it blindly. I didn't understand this passage. I, I didn't understand the heart of God. You see, I missed the key starting point to this whole passage. I missed the key starting point that Peter was starting with. You see, Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And in the passage we just read from 1 Peter, verse 3 starts off by saying, Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This was the piece that I was missing, right? I just skipped to the end about obedience and I completely missed the starting point. They wanted us to start from the premise of tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Pilgrims know the heart of God. And, and this is where we have to start. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world. That's you. That's me. This is the starting point. And, and if, if we start the other way around, we get everything backwards. The Bible starts with the understanding, the goodness, and the grace of the heart of God. I don't deserve it, and I can't earn it. This is the beauty of the gospel, that God loves you and me.
And if we miss this, we miss so, so much. And so that's the first point that I want us to see here in this passage that I want to share with you from my own experience. God loves you and he wants something for you. This is the beauty of the gospel. The second thing that Peter wants us to see in this passage is that pilgrims are prepared to be different. They understand the heart of God, but they're also prepared to be different. Verses 6 and 7 say this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You see, Jesus was rejected. He was rejected by so many people and for a variety of different reasons, you know. He spoke the truth and they hated him. He upset the religious and the political rulers and they hated him. He freed people from sin and they hated him. He healed people and they hated him. He loved people and they hated him. He was perfect and they hated him. Why? because he didn't fit into their boxes. You see, they wanted religion, they wanted faith on their terms, but God had something different in mind, something far better, but it messes with our boxes. You know, that's the way of Jesus. Following the, the Jesus way will look different than our world, and it'll look different than our preconceived notions, because it's a different kingdom with a different set of goals and a different set of priorities. And this can be hard for us because if I'm stuck in my way, I'm gonna miss it. And the other thing is, I am by no means perfect. You could ask my wife, you could ask my brothers and sisters, they'll especially tell you that I'm not perfect. But, but it, if I need people to like me, then I'm really going to struggle when it comes to following someone who was perfect and was still rejected, right? And, and, so, and so Peter is reminding us that, that the Jesus way is a better way, but don't get it twisted. He was perfect, he loved perfectly, he healed people, he set people free, and yet the world still rejected him. And, and, and as followers of Jesus, there are gonna be times where our priorities following the Jesus way is gonna lead us to being out of sync or out of rhythm with our world, and people are at times going to reject us as well. So be prepared for that. So far, Peter has challenged us with some truth, and he's, he's telling us and he's reminding us that pilgrims know the heart of God. And secondly, pilgrims are prepared to be different. And finally, pilgrims have a holistic they have a holistic way of living and being in the world. And the passages that I read in verses 8 through 12, those verses are all about walking it out. It's all about walking out our faith in daily life. How am I going to choose to live and be in our world? Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, one of my favorite verses says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. This passage can be summed up, and in the passage we're looking at today, can be summed up in this words, trust 
and obey. These two things go hand in hand. You see, trust without obedience is just theory. It's all talk. It's like having book knowledge or the knowledge of the ivory tower, but, but, but no wisdom. You see, wisdom is knowledge applied. Trust is, is like knowledge, and it, it's all, if it's all talk, then it's meaningless unless we find a way to apply it to our lives. And, and obedience without trust is manipulation, right? And, and God isn't after compliance. That's dead religion. You see, obedience is putting our heart into action as a response to a relationship. That's what faith is all about, right? And, and so when you are in exile, whenever you are uh, discouraged, when you're a Christian and the world seems like it's going a different way, it is, it is hope that allows us to walk through things that we normally could never do, right? Hope supercharges our action. It allows us to keep going when things are hard. As we obey, this is the point where two things happen in our lives. First is that our faith is activated, right? And second, we learn from real work experience what, uh, what works and what doesn't. And it pushes us to learn more and then to apply that and then to trust more and then to learn that and to apply that. And it's this relationship back and forth. And, and it reminds us of what really works in the real world. You see, scholars and authors have long looked at POWs and Holocaust survivors. And, and they've studied them and, they've saw, and they saw this, that, that hope can keep people alive even in the midst of unimaginable circumstances. Hope is a powerful thing, but it needs to be tied hand in hand with, with action, with little small steps of obedience, right? And obedience is the practical overflow or the byproduct of true faith. It's not a legalistic requirement, but it is the way we live out our faith. You see, faith without works is just, um, it's just BS. It's just image management. It's, it's just ways in which we're, we're trying to bluff it or fake it. And, and I think about people who are in recovery. And when people first come in the door, you never really know whether they're serious or whether they've just gotten caught or whether they're gaslighting. And gaslighting is just a fancy word of saying they're blaming everybody else. And so how do you know if they're telling the truth and they really want help or if they're just lying and they're not being serious? Well, the only way to tell is to, is to just take your time, to just sit back and to begin to watch what they do. Well, the same is true in, in our faith. And, and, but when we begin to practice our spirituality, regardless of how imperfectly, we really begin to learn. And it's like faith is, is the learning, but obedience is like the on-the-job practical experience where the rubber meets the road. This is where we get traction, and this is where we learn by being an apprentice of Jesus, 
by walking the way that he walks and, and seeing what works and, and testing out our faith. And then we begin to see the fruit of our labor and we begin to follow Jesus and, and walking the way that he walks. And it's, it's about putting our faith and our love into action. And then God begins to supercharge my faith and give me courage to keep going. And it's this cycle of learning and then applying and then learning and then applying. It's like having two feet, right? You, otherwise, hopping gets a little bit awkward, right? We learn and then we apply and then we learn and then we apply, right? That's how it goes. And we may think we know something, but if, we only, if it's only ever in our heads, we don't really know it. We know it when we truly understand it and we can begin to replicate it and we live it out. That is what true faith is all about. You see, as exiles, as strangers, as pilgrims, as Christians living in a foreign world, it's so easy for us to get distracted and discouraged. And I beat myself up and I lose focus. And so, so the only way to truly live out what Peter's saying in this passage is to keep my eyes focused on Jesus author and perfecter of our faith. He is what gives us hope and showing us how to live. Little small steps of obedience allow us to see we are making progress and they give us a chance to learn and to grow. You see, the, word, the world around us isn't interested in our words. Frankly, most of them think it's a lie but they wanna see our work. They, they wanna see our walk. They wanna see how we live out our faith. They wanna see how our love become real. And that's what they're going to take notice of. A friend of mine once uh, shared this little quote with me and he said, you may have a heart of gold, but so does a hard boiled egg. The only way to show the difference is how we walk it out. And man, and that just really stuck with me. That really challenged me of, because a lot of times I did have really good intentions. I just didn't know how to walk it out. And I realized there's grace, but I also need to like start stumbling towards practically, God, help me to walk this out. And this is especially true in our broken world where trust is an often promised, but a rarely delivered commodity. People manipulate and lie all the time, Right? And so people want to see our actions. They want to see, can we live this out? And so as we fix our eyes on Jesus, our goal is to be transformed so that we are like him. And it begins to ooze out of us into our world in a way that is powerful, that's good, that's true, and that's right. As we say, Jesus, just help me to be more like you. Help me to be more patient. Help me to have the fruit of the Spirit. Help me to be like you in this situation at work. Help me to be more like you in my family instead of like getting so frustrated with my daughter or my kids or my grandkids. When they do that, man, that really pushes my buttons. But, but how, do I, how do I learn to be like you? But if we want to be transformed, then we need to stop performing, right? If we want to be transformed, then we need to stop performing. The church um, and our world has really bought into uh, celebrity culture. And celebrity culture, both in the church and in our world, is really good at performing. It's a really good at like, putting a mask on and, 
and, and, and saying all of the right things and, and bless you, brother, and it's that Christianese, it's that stuff where we, we, we fake it, right? And, and we can say all of the right things, but, but this is not the Jesus way. The Je- you see, Jesus wasn't into the flashy. No, Jesus was into the slow, steady work of heart transformation in our lives. You know, Pastor Mike, one of the things I love, that one of the quotes, and you've probably heard him talk about it, and he's talking about how he wants our church to be more like a glacier and not like an avalanche. And what does he mean when he says that? You see, avalanches are loud, they're flashy, they're big, they're scary. But in the spring, nobody even knows where they were or what happened. But a glacier, on the other hand, glaciers are slow. And you can't even tell that they're moving. They're big, they're massive, but, but they, they have the power to carve valleys, to change landscapes, to change our whole world if we just give them enough time. In the same way, God wants to do not something just flashy and performance on the surface. No, God wants to do something deep in our hearts. And it's slow and it's steady, but it's this deep transformation like a glacier in my heart, in your heart. And so let's fix our eyes on Jesus and allow him to do that deep work in our lives today. This is important for us because none of us is perfect. Me first, right? Me first. And we're all stumbling towards grace. But let me, let me close by, by telling you a story I once heard whenever I was in India. And it's a story of an elephant. And, and elephants are one of the smartest animals. And it's believed that they have really, really good memories. And, and elephants are also the largest land animal on earth. And these colossal creatures can weigh up to six tons. And they stand as tall as 16 feet when fully grown, depending on the type of elephant. And and they've been known to uproot trees, break fences, and and even break steel chains with their tusks and their trunks. And and their, their trunks, that muscle and strength, make an elephant capable of lifting between six and 700 pounds with their trunk alone. Let alone, they can push or pull many, many tons. And so how, how, do you, how, do you, how do the trainers tame these incredible beasts? If they're so strong and so powerful, how could they ever tame an elephant? Well, when they're very, very young, only a calf, they will chain them with one of their legs to a stake that's driven deep into the ground. Because as they're young, at that young age, that little elephant can't pull out the stake. And, and so as their bodies grow, their memory holds and they are forever bound and trapped by their powerful memories. However, my friend in India was telling me this story that as the story goes, uh, one day there was an elephant that was tied to a stake and he was just kind of relaxing there, waiting for whatever was next. And, and one day a car backfired and it startled the elephant. And without thinking, he turned and he ran and he ran right into the jungle, pulling the stake without even thinking about it. In its panic and fear, the elephant learned something that was impossible, right? 
The elephant unlocked something in its thinking. What it once believed was true was actually a lie meant to held it captive. A truth that could only be learned by action. You know, this got me thinking. Are there lies that have been spoken into your life and into my life that I need to unlearn? Are there lies in my life that just like that elephant are holding me captive? Just like the story that I shared at the beginning, I had to unlearn some things about the, my views of God. Things that were holding me captive. Things that were holding me back from understanding the heart of the Father. But here's the scary part. Someone telling you that truth isn't going to do it. Someone just telling me, hey, just trust God, or hey, God, God's, God's heart is for you. There are some things that I had to learn from experience. There were things that I was, had to learn that, that you are going to have to take the first step. To learn to step out, to pull that stake out, to, to step out of the boat and to walk on the water. And I had to relearn a truth simply by trusting and putting it into action. You see, I believe this morning that God wants to set you and I free. And he's right here. And he is the one who is calling you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light in verse 9 that we just read. Because sin isn't just a little white lie. These lies are waging war against your soul that we read in verse 11. These are things meant to hold you captive, to destroy you. And Satan is like a roaring lion walking around seeing whom he may devour with his powerful lies. But, but this is the heart of God, that God wants to rip those lies out of your heart and out of your life. He wants to rescue you and he wants to set you free. And he wants to do it here. He wants to do it now. There's nothing that I would want more than today that there would be, like when you're out walking around, that there would be a car that would just backfire and you would just run like a wild elephant, free and clear, because God wants to set you free. But first, we have to think, what is the lie that has held you back for far too long? What is that thing that you believe about your world? Maybe it's other people that you can't trust. What is that lie that's holding you back, that's deep in your heart, that believes that you're not good enough, that God could never love you? Or what is that thing that you believe about God? Maybe he's too distant or far off or doesn't care or isn't powerful or isn't relevant to our world today. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, but I also want you to experience that God loves you more than you could ever imagine he wants you to experience it. That there is a new life ahead of you today. Church, we are pilgrims. We are exiles. And we have been captive to the lies of a different king and a different world for far too long. And we need a new truth. A truth that can set us free. A wisdom that needs to be experienced to be believed. So today, let's look deep into the eyes of Jesus and simply trust and obey. Today, as we close, I invite you 
to just take a moment. In fact, I'm just gonna give us a moment, just a couple seconds of silence. And I want you to think about the lies that are in your heart. I want you to think of maybe just one today, and maybe one later this week, but just one right now. What's one lie that you've been believing? And then I'm gonna pray a prayer over us to release that. God, help me to trust you to release that to you today. Let's take a moment. Lord God, we come before you this morning. God, and we lift these lies up to you, things that have held us captive for far too long. They've destroyed us, they've destroyed relationships, and they've, they've led us astray. Things that we've believed about you and our world, God. God, we just wanna lift it up to you. God, would you break it off of our lives? Would you break it off in truth? And would you break it off by experience as we step out and trust you? And God, would you speak a better truth into our lives, a better word into our lives today? For you remind us in your word that you loved us and that you sent your one and only son to come into the world, to die for our sins and to set us free. And so Lord, we give you all that we are and we receive you afresh and anew this morning. Help us to be like elephants set free to walk the Jesus walk as we follow you today. God, we give you our lives. We give you our weeks today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we close, I want to just say this blessing over you. That as you go this week, may you experience God's love and his truth over you today receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. May you go and have a great and wonderful week. And we'd love to see you again next week.